good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Man in the Mirror with Kai and Nichelle. This is the fourth Saturday in the month that we dedicated this to something brand new. We've dedicated this to something brand new. We are calling it Man in the Mirror Book Club with the author and best best known author and best selling author, Mr. Don Wood himself, the, the author of The Good Work, which came out the beginning of this year. And we are excited to have him. We are doing a series. We're going to get through this book. We are doing a series. And I'm excited. I'm truly excited that he is on tonight. And um. Again, this we went through chapter one last month. We are on chapter two, so you best join this book club. You definitely best join this book club because if you come on at the end of every month, you will see a lot that's going on. And he's actually working on his second book, so you best you know come and see what is going on with Don Wood right now of uh, the good work. Um, if you are on and you have any questions for our host, please press the number one on your phone. And you will be put in our queue so we know, you know, what to do, you know, when it's time for questioning and answering. So before we start, I will, oh, first thing, welcome back to the show, Don. It's good to be back with you. Uh, Hopefully I'm coming through there. Am I? Yeah, you are coming through. We talk, uh, and we'll be with you in one moment. We are excited to see what's going on. I have some questions because I've been, you know, I've been tearing your book up each chapter with uh, <laughs> questions and answers and red marks and yellow highlighters. So I'm, I, I got, okay. I got questions. So with okay. that said, I will definitely start. We will start off with prayer and then we will move on to what's next in our agenda. Dear gracious heavenly father, we just bowed out as humble servants, Lord, thanking you for our lying down last night, Lord. Thank you for waking us up to this day. This was the day that the Lord has made. Let us all rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I just thank you for Don Wood, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the good work. We thank you, Lord, for everything he has exposed in this book that we all can learn from. And, Lord, just continue to bless him and his family, Lord. Bless um, Michelle and I, Lord, as we continue your good work that you have for us to do. And we will never fail to give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, God's knockout punch. I remember years ago hearing about a technique, lifeguards, and I'm going to read this, lifeguards uh, supposedly used to help people who are drowning but who are flailing and thrashing in the water. I really don't know how true it is, but there are, but there or not, it's to serve this purpose. The concept is, concept is that if a person is flailing wildly in the water and thrashing and the wild movers threaten the end of life for both the, both of the victim and the lifeguard, the lifeguard is supposed to knock the victim unconscious so that the flailing stops. That word gets me all the time. That the flailing stops and the victim can be moved safely. This probably, this is probably a lifeguard house rule because there is nothing written to support this method. Mm. Let's say it is true. That is what God did for me, the great knockout punch of God. All right, all right. Yeah. Now, when I read that, I'm like, boy, that's a lot of us. You know, sometimes we have to be knocked out. You know, sometimes we have to be knocked out before God says, okay, okay, okay. With that, you know, I'm aging myself, and, you know, you up there with me, so I ain't mad. With that, that, that your arm's too short to box with God, you know, yeah, sometimes right. we, we can box with God and not know that, you know what, you really can't, you, you really can't play with God, so don't even try it. No. So, so with that said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have several questions, so like I said, each chapter I read, I highlight and I underline, you know. And you can thank the Catholic school for that. I've been doing that my whole life. First, it was just red marker. Then later on, you start about underlining red um, pen. So, you know, and I like how you started off. You said it's called God's Knockout Punch, and we're going to get right into it. A GPS can't tell you how to get someplace if it can't figure out where you are. 
And that is so yeah. true. Many of us, you know, many of us are trying to go somewhere and you see that thing is going around and around and around. Like, okay. It's trying to figure out where you are before it starts. So let's start there. Okay. You know, yeah. let's start there. You said for most of my life, I had no clue about this whole Egypt concept. So let's go on from there. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, a lot of times um, we as Christians, are, we spend a, a lot of money and a lot of energy. We go to a lot of meetings and churches, and some people have notebooks from every workshop and seminar that they've been to to try and help them to, you know, get their lives straight or whatever. And one of the problems I think that many of us have is that we have a kind of a faulty conception of exactly where we really are in our spiritual relationship with God. Some of us have confused our relationship with the church as a relationship with God. Uh, Some of us feel that, you know, if we just have all the right things going, the right education, wear the right clothes, know the right people, do the right things, that somehow that is a sign that we've got our act together. We just don't know where we are. And so when, we in, we, when we're having these sense of, this sense of emptiness, this sense of loss, we can't really figure out what to do. So we start trying to fix symptoms. We start going after every self-help book that there is to try and make ourselves feel better. But the problem is we don't know where we are right now in our relationship with God. And so we are trying to depend on these GPS-type self-help things to kind of get us to some place we think is where we need to be. And if we really knew where we were in relationship to the Lord, then the answers to where to go would become a lot clearer. That is so true. We got to know where we're going to be able to get to where you know where we are with the Lord. And my page left me. That shows how good the book is. Oh, that's chapter three. All right. There we go. Now, another question for you. You talk about, and though that whole time I was bitter and fearful and heartbroken with growing self-hatred, wishing each day would be my last. I didn't want to kill myself. I've been there before, trust me. But I didn't want to live. Because I'll be honest, at one time when I was going through mine, I wanted to kill myself, but I'm a chicken, and I don't like pain. (laughs) Excuse me. Most men, most men don't like pain. Could you imagine a man trying to bear a baby? No, that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't work out too well. <laughs> so God knows that we wouldn't be able to do it. So you know, He gave it to the women because they're stronger when it comes to that. But you know, again, I know that feeling. You know, myself. You know, what I've been through. Yeah, okay, let's just end it now. That way you ain't got to worry about nothing. But you had something different. I mean, uh, explain that to our, our listening audience. You mean about uh, why I, I had this self? Well, I had a, I had a real problem. And, 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 and the thing is this. When, when you're... When you when you when you know when you want to have a good relationship with God or you want to have a good spiritual life, but at the same time you have this kind of in a sense shadow mission going in your life. You have something else you really want to you know achieve, uh, and you don't know exactly how you can kind of pull all the pieces together you begin to get this feeling like you're going down. You just, you just don't, you can't seem to get going in the right direction. And uh, one of the problems is that as the time went on, it just, I, my frustration, uh, it seemed like nothing was working. It seemed like I was not able to, to uh, advance. Uh, I, I was feeling bad about myself. And eventually I just got to the point where 
as I said in the thing, I felt like I was a, I said I was like a phony high wire artist. I felt like any minute I'm going to fall off this wire and everybody's going to see that I'm a phony. And it's not that I felt like I was a phony. It's just that I always felt like I was one step ahead of disaster in my life. And, And even though most people would never have known that I was dealing with that thought, I, I felt like any minute I, I, somebody's going to cut through and realize that I'm not what I'm what 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 I'm supposed to be, and you know I I, I did a lot of learning on the fly. I, I I didn't feel like I had a lot of depth in a lot of things that I I was doing, and so I always felt like any minute somebody's going to see that I really don't have this thing together. And so when you're constantly living under that kind of mental pressure, it just gets to be more than you can handle after a while, even though people around you may not even realize the horror inside your head, you feel as if any minute I am going to be a a complete disaster and embarrassed. And, you know, I just want to quit. I'm tired of this. I was getting tired of life. And uh, and this started, you know, fairly early in, 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 in my life situation. And I, I was just tired of always feeling like I was running one step ahead of things just going terribly wrong. And, uh, and, it's, and it was just something that I wanted to, I wanted my life to just end. I would wake up every day just wondering why God let me live today. Why didn't he just take me out and I wasn't going to kill myself because I figured like this if I was as big a failure as I saw myself as being uh, if I tried to kill myself I'd probably fail at that and then I'd wind up being an even worse problem than I was to start with I'd be a vegetable somebody had to take care of and I said no I can't I'm not going to do that but I sure wish that uh, someday I could just have a situation where I don't wake up. That's the way I felt. Right. Wow. You know, and I, you know, I, you know, I'm right with you. I probably would have felt the same way. Um, and, and that's hard. Now, um, there's a part you said, you know, this shocked me when I read this. Um, because sometimes you hear about people that do that, but, you know, it's different ways of manifesting, you know, issues that you have. Because out of um, Proverbs says, out of the heart comes the issues of life. So there were so many things going on that you didn't know until a point that you, until one point that we're going to talk about, that's when you said, okay. And it says, often I would stand in the bathroom there and hurl hate-filled invictive Invective at my reflection. Just the sight of me made me sick. I regularly ask God, why has he, why is he torturing me by letting me wake up in the morning? I seriously felt God could not love me if he let me live. He, he had to think this was funny, seeing me always one step from destruction and humiliation. You know, it's funny. Sin makes you stupid. Now, that's, now, that's one of my one of my theme songs. And ultimately, what happens is is that when your life is not in sync with God, you could be. And I say, and I guess the thing I try to emphasize in this book, it's not enough to be deeply involved in church and be deeply involved mm-hmm. in ministry. Uh, these things are not the Christian life. They are. They are a product of a Christian life, but they aren't Christian life. Christian life is having a relationship with God and becoming one with him. Amen. And so you can be as deeply involved in the church as, more than anybody in the world and still be lost. Ask Peter. I mean, here's a man mm-hmm. who had everything going for him he'd been with jesus he was he was he had been healing people he'd walked on water he'd been doing what i mean what we consider to be religious service today uh what peter did far eclipsed most of the things that that any of us do today 
but the fact of the matter was Jesus told him when Peter said, I will die for you, Jesus told him, uh, no, uh, you, you're going to deny me. You're going to be dealing as if you never knew me. Mm. And Peter couldn't believe that because he's going like, how in the world is he saying this? How's he saying this to me? I mean, I'm Peter. I mean, I've been with you. Who went up to the Mount of Transfiguration with you? Who's been out there, you know, helping to feed the multitudes, healing people, doing this, doing that, and so forth? I'm your boy. And Jesus said, no. No. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you, and when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And I'm sure Peter was going like, converted? <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, who's converted to what? I'm glad. <clears throat> and I think the thing is, I was deeply involved in the church, deeply involved in the work, deeply involved in Bible study and so forth and so on, but that doesn't make you have a quality, productive relationship with God. Because your motives for this be all wrong. And you wouldn't even know it. Right. And so God has to reveal to you where you are so that he can rescue you from that Egypt that you have found yourself in. Mm. I agree, because I was in church my whole life since I was like a child, and I felt this, I basically felt trying to be super Christian, you know, try to be this, but there's no such thing as a super Christian as you mature, as you get older, you look back and like, really? You know, you can get burned up doing that, because I've been there. Yeah. You know, trying to be everything that everybody wants you to be and be one, be this and be that, do this and do that, because you're in the church. And the church can burn you out. People don't realize the church can burn you out because, you know, it's like you try to be more in the church than you're really more in your regular life and things that you need to do. Because honestly, I know some people who want to, you know, some church people, some churches want to you in a church every night, all night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, what about people that got to get up and go to work? Yeah, what about those yeah. people that have to get up and go to work and have jobs? You want them there to be 12 o'clock. Now they got to feed their kids, do this and do that. The kids may not even get their homework done, but you want them in church. Yeah. So sometimes I say that is overkill. Um, to me, that is truly overkill because I don't think God wants you to be, God's going to kill you or God's going to condemn you if you're not in church every night because he knows that we have, you know, we have to work because that's one of the, you know, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. He said, you have to till the land because of what you've done because of the original sin. You will have to till the land. So, you know, we have to do what God has us to do. And yeah. um, and and I know, I've, like I said, I've been there. Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're to the point where um, and, and I'm not, you know, for some people, I think it's 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 the appropriate thing to do if if they're if they're, uh, you know, finding uh, spiritual power and fulfillment and they're doing God's work. Uh, by being in church, you know, all night long, all the time, or seven days a week, or whatever it is, that's that's one thing. But if that becomes a substitute for alone time with God and regular communion with Him and seeking His forgiveness and cleansing and so forth and so on, if religious activity becomes a form of idol worship for us then we're in just as bad a shape as the person who has no religious activity at all. And maybe even better shape, uh, that person may be in better shape than the person who is the, quote, religious person, because the person who has no relationship with all can actually start from scratch and learn to love God in truth. The other person may have wrapped their pride around their religious service 
and it could be that they would wind up turning as the Pharisees did and hating God because he was a disruption to their plan. And so uh, to me, the big thing is it's about, as they say, keeping it real. It's, mm. it's, it, Satan, Satan has a thousand and one ways of creating idol worship for us. Yes, he does. And we don't even realize that some of these things we do uh, can wind up becoming a form of idol worship because we depend on that thing and not on the Lord. And, the, and the, one of the tests of that whole thing is this. If you're working seriously for the Lord and he is your focus, you know that you're going to run into problems because people get jealous and angry when people step up and start serving the Lord. Satan will be glad to supply a whole lot of enemies to anyone who is doing God's work in truth. In Amen. Truth. Yes, but he does. I find myself becoming unchristlike in response to that stuff that's coming at me, then it could be that I may still not have the relationship with the Lord, even though I'm working with him because his spirit is not in me. If I'm acting like the devil because people are treating me like they treated Christ, then whose spirit do I really have? You're just dropping all type of bombs tonight. You better watch. You better watch yourself, boy. You better watch yourself. Amen. You are dropping all type of bombs tonight. But you know, and as I read, you know, as I was reading, I hear and I see that you were so. You are so talented. I won't say so. T- you've been talented your whole life. I mean, you do everything. You're artistic. You know, you. I say autistic. I say artistic. But you're artistic, you sing, I mean, you've taught, um, you are on your way to your doctorate. So it's like you have so much talent. But as I read, it's almost like sometimes you are hiding. And I wrote a poem and lost it years ago. You know, we put a mask on and we don't want to see people with that mask. We don't want to see people with who we really are. So we're up in front wearing a mask. That way they won't see who who or what we really are. Any comments on that? Well, you know, the interesting interesting thing about that is that, you know, all those things that were talents and so forth, I always felt that at just about everything I did, I, 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 I knew I had some ability, but I felt second rate in everything I did. I was never as good as I thought I ought to be. And it became a frustration, and it became a point of fear for me because I never wanted to ever I – always, I always had a dread about doing any of the things that I did. Every time somebody asked me to sing, I would almost go into a panic attack, and I was afraid that something was going to go wrong. If I opened my mouth to sing, something was going to go wrong. I just knew it. And so the only thing I could say if I ever sang someplace and I got through it without messing up, all I could say at the end was, I lucked my way through that one. I don't really want to do this anymore. And it didn't matter what happens. Church could break out in applause. All I could think was, it's over, it's over, it's over. That's all I could think. When it came to any of those things, graphics, arts, whatever uh, I was doing, at the end, I was always thinking, somewhere along the line, I have messed up. (laughs) It's, It's like... Sooner or later, it's going to come crashing in. And see, when you live your life like that, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. I just didn't believe that anything for me was going to work. And if it did work this time, it won't be long before I'll be flat on my face. And I was just spending my whole life waiting for the big day when I had my big crash. 
Mm. And so what I did was I started trying to avoid situations that would put me in that position, you know, and I, 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 I wouldn't do things that, that would lead to any kind of embarrassment. I feared embarrassment more than anything else. And I just spent my whole life mentally running away from situations that I thought could be embarrassing to me. But then I, you know, I have to give my wife some credit. She, she, uh, she would push me to do things that I probably would have turned down uh, because I, I just figured, like, if somebody asked me to do – like, for instance, I, and I'll just give you an example of the attitude I have. And this is why you can't always go on the fact that you see a person and you think that they're very talented and you think, man, that must be just so wonderful. Uh, you don't know what that person's thinking. My, my whole thing was – if somebody asked me to sing, my first thought would be, I guess they ran out of people. I have to be the last person in that line. So you're asking me to do this because you can't find anybody that you want. And that's the way I would think about it. So if someone had asked me to speak someplace, I'd be going like, okay, well, I guess everybody that you had asked before must have turned you down. I wouldn't say that to them, but that's what I would think. Because I figure you couldn't possibly be thinking that I'm good. There's a whole lot of other better people that you could have asked, so you must have asked them and they turned you down. And that's the way I thought about myself. I was always people's last ditch, uh, I got to leave town and I don't, I won't be there to speak this week. So I need some, I need a sucker to get in there and, and, and speak uh, or sing or whatever, because I don't have time for this. So, Hey, you, you sing. And that's the way I felt. I felt like <coughs> would ask me to do anything because they wanted me to, but they asked me to do things because they couldn't find anybody else. That's the way I thought about it. And my attitude about myself was horrible. Well, and I think there are a lot of people out there. Let me back up. If you're on, you're listening live with Man in the Mirror, this is our book club that we just started. And we are reviewing or we're going over the Good Work Chapter 2 with author and best-selling author Don Wood. You can call in that. 845-277-9384 or log in at www.blogtalkradio-man-n-the-mirror. And if you're in the chat room, we'll meet you there. Um, we are just having a great talk with this um, man about this book. And this book is real. He Real truths. And our mantra is real, real people, real stories, real overcomers. And he is one of our best overcomers so far. He is you know, he's done a great job with the book and with everything he is telling. But before we go on break, I have to read this. I read it earlier. Tell us about Enter the Lifeguard. You know, tell us about that oh. because you say there's a thing about the lifeguard. I want people to really listen to this because it makes sense. There's a thing about the lifeguard that he puts in here. And I know people say, hmm, so that's why that happened to me. Because God had to do something. God has to do something. I'll say it again. God has to do something to get our attention. And once he does that something, then we're going to say, oh, okay, I hear you now. Got you. Got, mm-hmm. I got you. You know, I want to go through it because, you may, you know, some things people tell you, no, I'm going to go through that. But we all have our you know, thing that God has to do to get our attention. Tell us about Enter the Lifeguard. Well, you know, there's an expression that says that strong motors need strong brakes. Sometimes we can get out there and we're so busy serving God that we don't have time to stop and actually become converted. And there are times when God has to intervene to save us. Sometimes saving us requires breaking us. Now, when I was a kid, 
this thing about lifeguards was, uh, it was like conventional wisdom. And I always believed, even into adulthood, that, that this was a technique that lifeguards were trained to do. Now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that this is something that somebody said that was not, <laughs> was not part of the training, because if you did this, you could probably get yourself sued. Uh, but the, the conventional wisdom basically was that if a lifeguard encountered a person who was flailing in the water and could not, uh, you know, the person couldn't stop flailing and thrashing about, uh, that the lifeguard could put himself in danger trying to save somebody who was thrashing and flailing around. So the idea was that if the lifeguard could knock this person unconscious, he could then drag that person to shore, et cetera. Now, you know, that is something that I had heard. It's probably, like I said, house rules for, for, for people who do this kind of thing. They would never train anybody to do this. But my point that I was making was this. If, if, whether this is true or not, I was flailing in life's water. Uh, most people didn't realize I was flailing, but I was. I found myself drowning, and I was fighting, I don't know what, mostly fighting God. Didn't realize it. But God knew that the only way to rescue me from all the things that were closing in on me was that he had to knock me out. He had to put me in a situation or allow me to fall into a situation in which I uh, would have to stop. And that's what he did for me. And, uh, you know, it was a situation that, uh, and I, I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but it was a situation that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of parents have a child or something that they just have a lot of contention with. Um, and my relationship with, uh, with, with, my, with my son at the time was, it was, we, I had come to a point where I had, stopped getting into conflict. It was kind of a grit your teeth and just avoid any kind of discussions and so forth. Uh, but on this particular night when we were visiting uh, his home, um, things came to a head. And my uh, attempts to try and avoid conflict just fell apart because I was genuinely angry about the way things were going, and I, I had one of my explosions, and the next thing I knew, uh, my relationship with him was ended. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, sometimes you consider whose fault was it. It didn't really matter. Uh, the point was that um, I came to a realization that my inability to control uh, my temper, my inability to even understand why I had some of the uh, the blow-ups and the problems that I had uh, showed me that what my wife had been telling me for a while was true. I needed counseling. And uh, I finally got to a point now where I realized that I couldn't avoid it anymore. I knew I needed it. And fortunately, we knew someone. And uh, I... I went ahead and initiated uh, some appointments with this individual, and uh, and the Lord began the process of dragging me to shore and resuscitating me. Uh, sometimes, as I said before, that's why I said what I said at the beginning of the chapter. You have to find out where you are before you can figure out how to get to where you're trying to go, and by going through the counseling uh, with a wonderful lady by the name of Helene Diop, uh, I found out where I was, why I was there, and then I began to see what God was trying to show me as to where he was trying to take me. And that started a real transformation in my way of dealing. Amen, amen, amen. And you actually started going on some stuff that I was going to ask before, and that was a good thing. But we're going to take a quick break. Um, a couple right. notes from our supporters, Music Instructor for Our Learners, Inc., where music is no age. 
um, they are now with um, Music Instruction for All Learners Arts Academy. So if you love the arts, photography, dance, culinary arts, and our classes, all online, go to MIFA Inc.'s website and check the MIFA Arts Academy link. Um, and we are just um, having a great time. If you're online, you can call in at 845-277-9384 or log in at www.chat with us if you have any questions. Log in at www.logtalkradio.com forward slash man dash n dash the mirror. Tell your friends and family about this great and wonderful book. I am really enjoying it. I'm learning a lot. Um, he keeps it real. He's telling the truth, as he said. And sometimes we need to hear say, hey, oh, I didn't know other people are going through some of the things that I went through. Because many times people think that they're the only one that's going through something. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, listening audience, you're not. I, I hate to tell you, you're not the only one going through because I've learned, you know, I've learned in life, life happens, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, life happens. And once we go through it, we figure out, hey, it's not as bad as we thought it was. We just had to get through that so we can get to the light, and we do at the end of the tunnel. And this is a song that I ran into um, this week, I went crazy when I heard it. It's by Toby Mac, and he told, he wrote this song when he, you know, just a couple of the songs that he wrote after his son died at the age of 21, and he did not know how he was going to go through this. And then he, in one of the verses in this song, I'm going to play it. You know what? God, start, God rolls up his songs like rolls up his sleeves like any parent would and say, oh, I got to go help my child. And we are all God's children. So with that said, we will listen to this and be back with uh, Man in the Mirror Book Club, The Good Work, Chapter 2. Maybe midnight or midday, never early, never late. He gon' stand by what he claims. I heard your heart, I see your pain Out in the dark, out in the rain Feel so alone, feel so afraid I heard you pray in Jesus' name It may be midnight or midday It's never early
Help is on the way. You are listening live with Man in the Mirror with Kaya Nichelle with our new book club that we started. We, this is our third month with this man on our show. Don Wood, best-selling author of The Good Work, and we are listening to Chapter 2 right now, so we are having a great time. We are winding down. I have some more questions to ask him. Um, he actually answered some of them before we before we left. But um, if you're listening in, if you called in at 845-277-9384, you can press the number one on your phone and ask any questions. Uh, we are excited that he's been with us. He said we will have him for this year. And by then, I'm hopefully his next book will be out. So, look, we're going to have two years of books that we try to get through. So we will keep this young man busy. But, again, um, you can log in at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash man dash in dash the mirror. And um, the next question, because you went over some of the stuff I was going to ask you before, but you said because you are married, and the thing is, whenever you go through, the wife goes through. It's not a, it's not right. a thing that when you go through, she ain't going to go through. Um, you, you wrote, my wife dodged most of the darts. Each day I woke up to an embarrassing memory of the fool I happened yesterday. Each day I became more tired of Don Wood. God, again, you said, needed to knock me out to save me. So, you know, just give us some, you know, glimpses of what your wife had to go through because, you know, when you're married, you know, our wives don't want to go see see us go through these things because they are part of us and they are concerned. And when we go through, they go through and, you know, they try to hang in there, but they're like, okay, you know, something, you know, and she hung in there with you. So give us a glimpse of what that was like. Well, you know, I'm I'm really grateful uh, that the Lord gave me someone who uh, who bore with me for uh, as long as she did. Uh, you know, this year we will, uh, Lord willing, we'll celebrate our 42nd uh, anniversary, and uh, you know, here's the thing. You know, like I said. You can have a lot of blessings in your life, but if you don't understand God's love for you, those blessings really don't mean a lot because you're always thinking that there's something else that you need. And I had, and because I also had a low level of respect for myself, I assumed that other people felt the same way about me, didn't respect me. And so I was regularly taking everything that my wife said and did as as an attack. And I felt as though, you know, she had to be poking at me trying to prove that I'm a phony as well. And I started I dealt with her often as someone who was more of an adversary than than the best friend that she was. And so I found myself in constant conflict, arguing about this and arguing about that and trying to defend myself and trying to defend myself. You know, the Bible says that the wicked flee when no man pursue it. <laughs> and honestly... <laughs> I never used to apply that to myself, but it, it was true. I, I was I was seeing I was seeing attacks when there weren't attacks. I was actually provoking attacks because the way I was dealing was getting to be frustrating, and it was making her angry because she was trying to figure out where in the world are you getting this foolishness from. But I was seeing all kinds of veiled attacks and things coming from here and there and everywhere. And so I felt like I was alone. I, my whole life was, was sort of like a cat backed in a corner. You know, I was always ready that someone was, was going to try and, and, and embarrass me. And I 
uh, I, 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 could, I couldn't handle it very well. And so my wife wound up having to deal with a whole lot of these uh, uh, defensive uh, flare-ups from me. And there were many times that she just had to walk out of the room and just say, look, I'm, I'm not talking about this anymore. I can't talk to you anymore because you need help. And I'm going, I don't need help. I'm not crazy. I'm just, you know, you just need to, to, to understand better or whatever. Everybody needed to change. <laughs> Everybody except me, you know. But, I, you know, and it, it, was, it was really a sad situation, but the Lord brought us through. Amen, amen. And I, I, you talked about it, but, you know, when that boom came, when that boom yeah. came, again, I'll say that again, listen, when that boom came, when that moment comes on, it's like that nuclear bomb that just yeah. happened. And afterwards, after the shouting match with your son ended, you said, soon Lynette and I were in the car. So just, you know, because for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. You know, we yeah. we go through it, and then we say, okay, I just want to go through it, but then we don't want that reaction because it started off as a nice visit with your family. Your right. wife was on the phone with your daughter, and everybody heard that. That was the yeah. boom. That was the knockout. Yeah. That was the knockout yeah. punch. That was the boom that came, and you said, oh, Okay. See, when you when you let yourself get out of control, you do and say things sometimes that you don't even expect to say. Because the big thing is Satan wants to get us on the edge so that we cannot control ourselves. We cannot control ourselves mainly because if you are not under the control of the Lord and his spirit, you're going to reach a situation where you can't prepare for it at the moment of the crisis. The only way that you can really be, or I'll put it this way in a more personal way, because there are some people who are very controlled and who don't ever have flare-ups. Sometimes their flare-ups come on the inside and not the outside. But for me, the only way that I could be under any kind of control is that I would have to be in a, an unbroken communication with God and have a deep understanding of his love for me. And that way, when bad things happen, I'm not out there feeling like I'm alone and under attack. I realize that I can actually have compassion on the person who's in conflict with me because I'm secure in God's love. I'm secure in my wife's love. I'm secure in my daughter's love and so forth. I don't have to defend myself because I am in communication with the one who loves me. More than that, when I have a good understanding of the level of mercy that God has extended to me because of my sin and because of my, my uh, uh, errant ways, when I realized how far from him I had gone and how much I had despised him and how much I had done to alienate myself from him and to alienate him from me, even though that's not really that possible, he's going to love me no matter what. But when I push him away from me, then I'm on my own. I become my own God, and I'm a terrible God. <laughs> and then I realize it. And it becomes a real disaster. So I had put myself in a position where I was not ready for a crisis. I'd been reading, you know, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 the very day that this happened. I've been doing all kinds of stuff, holding my breath, counting to 10, doing everything. But see, that's not dealing with the issue. See, that is trying to stop a reaction but if you start, if you try to just stop a reaction to something, you can only go so far before all that stuff keeps building up because the resentment is still there. 
This time I might get away with it and not say anything. The next time I might get away with it and not say anything. But all of the resentment of the things that I have heard starts to compound itself. And I get more and more frustrated. And I start looking for it. And I start waiting for it. And the problem was that night, that night, I got there and I was dreading this situation. And everything that I was dreading, I was expecting it, and it was coming. And it finally got to the point where that's all I was thinking about. Look, let's look at it this way. Basically, you do what you think about, right? So I'll put it this way. Suppose I said to myself, uh, I have a problem with eating cheesecake. I just can't stop myself from eating cheesecake. So today I'm going to make up in my mind that today I'm not going to eat cheesecake. So all day long I'm thinking, I will not eat cheesecake. I will not eat cheesecake. I will not eat cheesecake. Okay? So question, what am I thinking about? Cheesecake. Cheesecake. All day long, even though I'm saying I will not eat cheesecake, I will not eat cheesecake, I will not eat cheesecake, all day long, all I'm thinking about is cheesecake. And if a piece of cheesecake was within two miles of me, I'd be going, and the next thing I know, I'd be face first into a cheesecake because that's all I've been thinking about. That's all I've been focused on. And while I'm saying I will not, I'll be thinking of how much I love you. It could be the same thing the other way. I will not get in an argument. I will not get in an argument. I will not get in an argument. What am I thinking about? An argument. (laughs) Getting into an argument. And so what happens? Something comes along, and the first thing that happens is, boom, I'm in an argument. Because that's all I'm thinking about. But what if I were thinking about important things. What if I were saying, I'm praying for my son. I'm praying for myself. I want the best. I want the best for my son. I want things to work well for him. I love my son. I love my God. I want to represent the Lord to my son. I want to be God's man. Your word has told me, Lord, what you want from me. Please help me and help my son that this would be a good and productive time. And help me so that when I know that things may go difficult because he's, you know, he's got certain beliefs and thoughts, help me to be a strength to him, not a weakness. Now, suppose I was thinking that way. It would have been a whole different reaction. And suppose I said, Lord, you know, when I think about how far I've been from you as my father, I can understand how my son might be kind of distant from me. And so help me to deal with him the way you deal with me. Help me to be as forgiving of him as you have been of me. That's a different situation. But I wasn't there. Trust me, I was not at that point. I was busy trying to stop symptoms, and I didn't understand that I had a disease. Mm. Wow. But the one thing you I know, like, which you, is... If you, were coughing, if you were coughing all the time and coughing all the time and coughing all the time... <laughs> Don't say coughing because we're in COVID. Call- yeah, I'm well. Yeah, nowadays, if you <laughs> you'd be going, oh my goodness, I've got it. I got. But you know, before COVID, you know, you would say, "All right, man, I've got this terrible cough. This cough right. is hurting me. This cough is killing me. So what do I need to do? I need to go to the drugstore and go to the cough medicine section and buy mm-hmm. myself the quart bottle <laughs> of Robitussin <laughs> or something." And I'm just going to go back home and sit in my chair 
and get out my uh, get out my uh, thirst buster cup and just start drinking cough medicine until this coughing mm. stops. Right. Now, coughing is a necessary function of the human body when foreign matter gets into your bronchial tubes. When you wind up with a situation where mucus or something else winds up going into your bronchial tubes and you begin to fill up, or when they swell up and you can't breathe, or you start coughing for whatever reason, your body reacts by coughing. The question is not how do I stop the cough, even though that's what we really want to do right off the hand. But the question is, why am I coughing? Right, right. See what I'm and if I find out why I'm coughing, even though I might have to take some cough medicine at times, I'll realize that I'm glad I was coughing because this may be letting me know about a condition in my life that must be changed that goes beyond just the symptoms, but it could be that I have a lung problem or something else that's causing me to cough. And the same thing with this, and this is why I need a counselor. My problem was not that I had a temper problem. My problem was I didn't know why I was so angry. Okay. And when the Lord when the Lord did the knockout punch, it forced me into a situation where I had to find out, no longer did I have to find out how do I stop from getting angry? How do I stop from having flare-ups? How do I stop having the symptoms? It got down to the point where the Lord was showing me, you need to find out why you act like this, why you believe what you believe, why you think the way you think. What happened in your life that made you get to the point where you felt so alone, so abandoned, so, you know, in trouble? What was it? And that's where the counseling situation came in, and that's how the Lord began to do his good work in moving me toward rescue. Amen. Amen. And I like what you said, because, Jane, you, you, you pulled some of my favorite scripture verses, um, and I like what you said because, you know, dealing with the tongue, in James 3, 5 to 10, you know, that is so true, you know, you know, and dealing with the tongue, we have to be careful what we say. Yes. Because you say, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflare, aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species and beast and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men. We have been made in the likeness of God, but the same mouth, but from the same mouth come both blessings and cursings. My brethren, my brethren, these things ought not be this way. And he quoted in his book, yeah. James 5, 3, James 3, 5 to 10. So yes. as he said, and, you know, we may go over a few minutes, and that's okay. As he said, um, he had to get knocked out in order to get help. And many of us yes. have been there. You know, we, we keep saying, ah, nothing wrong with me. And that word that you said earlier came. We, and, you know, when I was going through, I had to figure out I had pride. You know, you know mm-hmm. when I was going through my, you mentioned that word pride earlier in the show. When we have pride, you know, what the Bible say, pride leads to a downfall. So something's going to happen. 
You know, when we have pride, something's going to happen. We may not act like it. We may not even understand that we have it, but it's there. And um, when we have pride, that will lead to our downfall, downfall, our destruction. So um, our author had to go to a point where God said, okay, you know, you know, what's that old saying? Because, you know, if you've been around for a minute, you give a person a rope, they hang themselves. So, yes. so you know, sometimes yes. we have to go through the noosing, you know, because yes. we, yes. we keep, keep saying they hang us. No, we're hanging ourselves. And once we yes. get to that point, then I like what you said at the end of Chapter 2. Now that I've been knocked out, God pulled me to shore and began resuscitating me. His good work was already rolling. And then you tell us, I think it's cute. You say keep reading. Keep reading. So keep reading because we, you know, we can't stop. You know, I can't stop at chapter two. I just got to keep going. Okay, that's what you're saying. You know, chapter yes. two was awesome. So now I got to keep reading. Okay. Yes. Um, as we're winding down, um, do you have any closing remarks? You know, I am so grateful. I am just. I, I wish there was a way I could convey this in all the sincerity that I feel in my heart. But when I see how God was so patient with me for so long, it makes me wonder sometimes. I go back and think about situations where I made silly mistakes and said silly things to people. And I say to myself, why in the world did I do that? I, I can't even believe I actually was acting like that. Knowing what I know now about the Lord and how he has loved me and taken care of me, that was totally unnecessary, and I wish I had known it then. I told my wife the other day that, um, you know, the thing that I really feel bad about is the fact that I missed so much of our marriage, that I was so blinded by my own foolishness that uh, I missed enjoying her as much as I'm enjoying her right now. And I, I feel that if we will allow God to have his way, his full way in our lives, what a joy we will have, even in times of crisis, what a joy we will have in our hearts, because we will know that we are secure in his love, and that is a wonderful thing to know. Amen, amen, amen. I want to thank you because, that, again, that was a great chapter. We have a lot more to go. I will be reading. I will be highlighting. I will be, you know, circling. I'll be using that red pen. Thank you to the Catholic school who taught me to start that many years ago. But um, I thank you for taking this challenge and taking this to be part of our program once a month. So, you know, we can get people out there reading your book because, you know, it's a it's a good thing. The good work is a good thing. And I'd like to thank everyone who has been listening, you know, as we have been discussing in, in the book club, The Good Work, Chapter 2. Um, and as, you know, we want you to know Don is family now. He's been on here three months in a row. So Don is family um, we want we want him to continue yes. because we want to make it to the end of the book. One, one night we may have to double up because I think it's like yeah. 18 chapters, so we may have to double up by the near the end of the by the end of the year. We may have to double up. Let me count because my wife always say I can't count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. You know, with the introduction, eighteen. When I did the introduction, so. Yeah, some nights we are going, it's only 12, 12 months in a year, so we're going to have to double up. So we're going to have to, you know, get all this information in, you know, two chapters a couple times, and and we may do that next right. month. Two chapters, right. we can do three or four next month, and just really continue to dive in because it is a great book. Um, you are telling your truths, you know, how God knocked you out to resuscitate you, to bring you where you are in your life right now. Um, Again, thank you guys for listening tonight. Um, As we went over Chapter 2, God's Knockout Punch, 
Um, and there's nothing else that we need, needs to be said tonight. It was a good show. Uh, I'm excited every time we start talking about this book because I have questions, and I have a lot of questions. I'm going to have more questions. So, as always, this is Kaya Nichelle. We will see you at the mirror. <laughs>